pray for everybody here in this room, Lord, that it, our hearts, our ears, our minds are open for just to hear the word that you have and the, just the gentle touch maybe that some of us need today. In your name we pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So maybe this is you, maybe you know somebody in, in your life where their life is, it just, maybe you can consider maybe it's awful, it's just not very good, things are full of, you're really stressed out, you got a lot of things to do, and maybe you're just feeling this, got this feeling of being overwhelmed, and maybe there's a tragedy that's occurred in your life, there, there's some just, some bad things that have happened, and things just aren't working out, that, that your life's kind of broken, and you have people around you, and you're, even yourself, like you just don't seem to be able to fix it, people around you, don't try to fix it, and they don't even really seem to care. And then maybe you get angry, you get frustrated, you get sad, you get depressed, and sometimes you just kind of want to run away at times. You may have days like that, or life's like that, or things like that, and that was, I, I see someone getting poked there. Um, that, you must have had a week like I had last week, because that was my week last week. It just was one of those weeks where, where just... It's just overwhelming, just so many things coming on my, on my plate and so many things that I just sometimes you do, you just want to run away. And then there's those other people, these other people, which there was only one of us, you and I were the only ones that had those weeks, so I guess everybody else is in that category of these people, of where you look around and their life is just a mess, but they're just as happy as can be. They're full of joy, they're they're acting like nothing's wrong. They might even be crying and upset and, and just because there's a loss in their life, but they just have this smile and this peace that's on them. And, and they're still just thankful for life, just thankful for God, just giving God all the credit in their life, just so happy, so in love with God. And don't you just want to take those people sometime and just punch them in the nose because you're like... <laughs> Are, are you for real? Like, how can, how can you act that way? Like, I don't get that. And you kind of wonder, how do they get that way? How, why, is there, how is there, why is their life like that? And if you guys are familiar with Psalm 23, right? Some of you are familiar with, well, let me read Psalm 23 to you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's, it's that psalm. You didn't know what, you kind of remember that song, right? But these people, it's like they actually live that way. Like Whatever happens, that's, that's kind of what their life is like. They're just at peace. They're calm. And you know, how is that possible? How is that ever possible? So today I'm going to start a, a series of what we're going to look at over the next few weeks and, and maybe give some insight of how, how people are responding to that, and we can have that also. So I'm going to look at some things this next few weeks. I'm going to call them the greatest. These are... That some of the things that, that Jesus told us, that he even said, this, these are the greatest. These are things that you need to do. This is what you need to do. And it's, it's important. If you're going to walk this life with God, walk this life with Jesus, that these are, these are the greatest things we're supposed to do. The first one I want to look at is, maybe it'll help us understand why that person can live that life, of that, like the way I read about in Psalm 23. How, how they just seem to, it's just nothing... Nothing bothers them. They still have the emotions, but it just seems like they're just, they're, they're, they stay pretty level. And they keep praising God and worshiping God. The first one comes from Matthew 22, verses 37 through 38. Jesus is, he, he's asked a question. He's, he's asked a question by the Pharisees. They ask, which of all the commandments, which is the most important? And this is what Jesus says. He said, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, many of you, I've spoken on this before. I've mentioned this before. This comes out of Deuteronomy 6.4. And it's known as the Shema. Shema means to hear. 
And these are words that Moses was given to, he's supposed to tell this to the Israelites. This is what you need to do. And they're actually, the, in, the, in the Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments come right before this, and then you see the Shema. And these are words, like I said, the Israelites need to hear and to take, be part of their lives. And I just want to read the whole section. It's Deuteronomy 4 verse, through verse 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Just like what Jesus said. But then there's a little bit more. It says, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them in, on, on your door frames of your house and on your gates. And so we have a picture of what this is. Of this is, this, is a, this is what it literally is. You can see he's got it, it's something tied on his forehead and on his arms. And this is the word of God. That, all t that really what it is is saying is that God just becomes part of who we are. It's part of our person. That, that, that God, to Israelites, it, it is that important that I'm going to make it, he's going to live inside of me. He's going to be part of me. Now, I want to introduce a medical term to you. Some of you may know this term. Some of you may not. It's homeostasis. Now, I know there's some medical people in this room, and, and um, please pardon me a little bit. I did take some, I'm taking a little bit of liberty with this or being very simple with some of this. But when I went through this passage and started looking at this, this greatest commandment, I, this word just kept coming over to me, coming to me over and over again. And so the definition of homeostasis, this is what it is. It says homeostasis is the tendency of biological systems. That's us. We're a biological system. If you didn't know that or not, that's, that's speaking about us. To maintain relatively constant conditions in the internal environment. The internal environment is inside of us. While continuously interacting and adjusting to changes originating within or outside of the system. So let me put this in simple terms. We don't have this right now, but when it's cold outside, which we'll have in a few months and it's 20 below, what do you start to do? You start to shiver. You get goosebumps. And you do that because your body is trying to pull all the blood inside to keep the body temperature constant in homeostasis. Opposite of that is like we have right now when it's 100 degrees outside and there's no end in sight. We go outside and we're instantly going to start sweating. Why do we do that? To our body to try to cool ourselves down and keep, again, our body temperature at the same, same temperature. Some of us, when we exercise or we do something and we get out of breath, we, what happens? Our heart rate goes up. Our breathing goes up, and that's to provide more oxygen to our muscles that are doing work, but that's also to get rid of carbon dioxide, which is a waste that we need to get rid of. And all of this is to try to keep the body in, in this constant state, in this homeostasis, this homeostatic part. So as we, we go about life, our body just adjusts to things that maybe are going on inside of us, Maybe there's things outside of us, outside in the world that we're happening that our body's just trying to adjust to. Like I mentioned, body temperature, there's blood pressure, glucose levels, all kinds of things that our, our body adjusts to, to make our body work right. Now, if you couldn't tell, because I bring science a lot, I'm kind of a science nerd when it comes to some of this stuff. That I, I, I get a little excited about this stuff because actually what I find excited about is that how cool is it that God, we can use science to explain God, but that also makes sense because God created everything, so he created science. So we can use it to fit what the Bible says. Even those people that don't want anything to do with God and say, I'm, I'm a scientist. God, God that's, that's dumb. Well, we can use scientific terms to explain who God is, especially when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. I'm going to propose that when our relationship is like that with God, that we remain in homeostasis. We remain the way God intended our relationship to be. The, the way this, this loving God and, and God loving us is, is supposed to be. 
Now, in science, you've got to make assumptions. You always make assumptions when you propose something. So this is coming from an assumption that, that, that you've accepted Jesus into your life, that you're, you ha your relationship with God is, is right. You're, you've made that right. That As I spoke about the last couple of weeks of this freedom of sin, this freedom we get when, when we accept Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for us, forgave us our sins, and restored us a way for us to have our relationship with God restored that our relationship is correct. We, that's the assumption I'm making. Now, the answer to that question of asking, of how could that person be that way? How can this person respond to life that way? That when their life just seems to be falling apart, that they don't lose hope in God, that they find peace, they find comfort in God, and they just don't get rattled when, when like I said, life just falls apart, when maybe life is, seems like it's just spinning out of control. So the first thing I want to look at is, is the heart. So as this verse says, is with all your heart. Now, the heart's a pretty important part of the body, isn't it? Like, our, we need our heart in our body. If our heart stops beating, what happens? We die. Yeah, that's pretty simple. We die. Because our heart pumps blood, goes through the entire body, and supplies our body with oxygen that we need to survive. And I said it also carries waste out, too. So our heart's kind of like the engine. It's kind of like an engine that makes everything go. So those weeks when we have those bad weeks, when you see bad news, you're anxious, you're just maybe anxious about everything, there's just a lot of pressure on you, where do you feel it? Where do, where do you feel that? Doesn't your heart kind of get heavy? You feel that pressure in your heart? Your chest kind of gets tight? I, and it is. It's right here in your chest, in your heart. But then there's those times, too, when you have good news, right? When life's just, just really going well. You know that, that, say, light as a feather, where you just kind of feel like you're floating on clouds? And your heart, where does it feel? You feel that joy, don't you, in your heart? It just feels kind of light. Like you don't feel any pressure or burden upon you. Now, the Greek word is cardia, which makes sense. We have cardiologists, so that's, that makes sense. And in but there's more to it in this Greek word that says the heart means is it's our mind, the seed of thought and emotion. The heart is, was thought to be the seed of our inner self, our inner self, which is our life, our soul, our mind, and our spirit. And the heart has a focus on thinking and understanding. Now, I look at that and I say the definition of heart, is, it's a pretty big role in, in our body, isn't it? It's not just pumping blood. It's not just su supplying us the things that we need. And the definition of that maybe explains why I feel so much in my heart. Like brokenhearted. There's another one. Brokenhearted when we, maybe a loved one dies. Or maybe you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Y you feel it in your heart. You, you're brokenhearted. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. So let's see what the Bible tells us about the heart. In fact, it's, it's used it over 530 times in the Bible. So it got a lot to say. We're not going to look at all 530, but Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do comes from it, flows from it. Now, last week I said I got tattoos. That's one of my tattoos. Everything I do comes from my heart. So then you ask, well, what's in my heart? What's in my heart? Well, yeah, there's blood in my heart. There's mu muscles. There's heart valves. There's nerve endings. But Bible kind of tells us what can be in our heart. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's maybe treasures in my heart. Now, the verses before that, Jesus is, is saying, he's saying there's heavenly treasures and there's earthly treasures. Treasures like maybe this, you know, I, I pulled out a new pair of shoes today. Those are earthly treasures. These are treasures like eventually, these are going to rot they're going to fall apart and they're going to be worthless. Even if I don't wear them, they're still going to be garbage. Now, treasures, heavenly treasures, are maybe when I help someone. Maybe when I tell someone about Jesus. I tell someone about Jesus and they become part of this kingdom, part of the church, and they begin to follow Jesus. That's going to cost me some of my time. It's going to cost me some of my money. But that treasure... That heavenly treasure, that's going to last forever. That's going to last for eternity. 
The Bible's got some more to tell us about what's in our heart. Luke 6.45 tells us, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what are you storing in your heart? Is it good things, or are they evil things? Now, is your heart producing earthly treasures or heavenly treasures? What, what are the things that you're doing in your life? Because this told us is everything we do comes from our heart. But if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, those things in your heart are just going to be good. You will, you will have heavenly treasures. And the things that you do, they're going to reflect God. And I think that's why Proverbs 4.23 tells us to, to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Keep that evil stuff out of there. Don't let that come in there. Keep your heart full of good. So love the Lord your God with all your heart. The next one is with your, all your soul. Greek word for soul is psyche, which is, is it, the definition of that is it, it's the immaterial. That's, that's the part of our body that's not flesh. And it's the spiritual, not the physical. And it's eternal, which means it, that's a part that lasts forever. And it's the part of our inner person. And Another definition is this, it's the animate self, which means alive or having life. And explain that word a little bit would be, you know, we all know Walt Disney, right? Pixar movies, those type of things. That, that's what that is, to animate. And they animate characters, they, the animated characters, they give them life. And they tell the story in the cartoon about this character's life. Now, growing up, some of us are with Looney Tunes, I mean, we had the Coyote and Roadrunner. So Coyote was always trying to capture Roadrunner, right? And he never succeeded. And Coyote would strap rockets to his back or do some crazy thing like that. And it never worked, did it? Coyote would blow up. And we'd see Coyote's body laying on the ground. And then we'd see this, this soul, this spirit raising up from him that's alive. And that's that's what this animated representation of what, what I'm kind of talking about here, something that lasts forever. And we all have a soul, right? We all have a soul, and that's the part that lasts forever. Because our bodies hurt, don't they? And they wear out. I was talking to some of you today, and I, I know your bodies are hurting and they're wearing out, just like mine. And eventually these bodies, they die. They die. They can't go forever. But our soul, our soul lives forever. Now, like we did with heart, I want to look at what does the Bible tell us about soul? And Psalm 23 gave us a little bit about soul. It said, he refreshes my soul. So the soul is refreshed. God refreshes the soul. God gives the soul what it needs. God keeps that soul. Maybe in that word I use homeostasis. Keeps it, ultimately keeping us right where we need to be by refreshing our soul, by loving God with all our soul. Now, I've told you in the past that I'm not very smart, and so you'll understand why, because I said it's 100 degrees outside, so I figured that's a good idea to help my daughter stack hay in 100-degree weather. So we did that. It was smoky. My body's hurting. And we finally get done with it, and I'm stinky, I'm sweaty, I'm tired. I am in pain. And did I mention it was hot outside? I'm really, really hot right now. So I go inside, and I turn the cold water on, and I wash my face and kind of wash the hay dust off my arms, and I grab an ice-cold glass of water, and I drink that down, and then I grab another one, I go outside and sit down in the shade. And what happens to me? My body's trying to return to homeostasis, and I'm refreshed. That's what I'm talking about here. Our soul is refreshed. Loving God with all our soul refreshes us. Now, what else do we know about the soul? Matthew 10, 28 tells us, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, like I said, our body's going to die, but our soul lives on. However, I look at this and I go, there's someone that can destroy the, the, the soul. And if you noticed, 
that one is capitalized. So that's actually referring to God. But I want to look at John 5.24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. So I, I, I put these two verses together and I look. God's got the ability to destroy the body and the soul in hell. But that's not God's intention. God doesn't want to do that. God will never condemn one of his children. He's never going to destroy one of his children. And how do we get to be one of his children? By accepting Jesus, by accepting that forgiveness. And we receive that life that Jesus came to offer us. And we love God with all our soul. Now there's something else about our soul. There's a war for our soul. There's a war going on. You may not know it, but there's a war going on. And the enemy, he doesn't want to lose. He's going to do everything he can to win that battle. 1 Peter 2.11 Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wages war against your soul. So this planet we live on, Earth, if you didn't pick up on that, that's not our permanent home. As it says, we're foreigners. We're exiles. We're aliens. We're, this isn't our home. Earth isn't our home. It's not our permanent home. It's heaven or hell is where our permanent home is. Now, I showed last week that slide because we feel this battle, don't we? It's that image that I showed last week of, of there's a little devil sitting on our shoulder and a little angel sitting on our shoulder. And that little devil is telling you telling you all kinds of things. He's pleading his case. He's pleading his case, trying to get you to give in to those sinful desires, waging war on your soul. And Matthew 16, 26 tells us, what good is it for you, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Are you listening to that voice? Are you giving in to those sinful desires? Are there things in your life that you're forfeiting yourself for? Forfeiting yourself of those sinful desires. So who are you loving? Are you loving the world? Or are you loving God? Now, I'm not going to get up here and say you can't have nice things. People can have nice things. The problem is, is whose nice things are those? Are those things our things? Or are those God's things? Have we become independent from God we we don't need God anymore or are we dependent on God I propose we need to be dependent on God we need to be dependent on God loving God with all our heart and loving God with all our soul and the next one is with all our mind so what is our mind again the, the using the Greek it tells us this is the part of us that's responsible for thinking, for understanding. That inner person that thinks in, and it processes information to help us understand. And it's the part of us that makes choices. And actually, it, it relies on the heart. It says the seed of it is, is which is in the heart. So the mind is associated with the heart also. Now, I know in life sometimes you may have teachers and they told you you didn't have a brain. Or maybe a coach told you you don't have a brain. You, I'm going to tell you, we all have a brain. We all have a mind. And we use this brain, don't we, to think, to understand, to process this information, to make choices. Now, this definition of our, of our, according to this definition, our heart, like I said, plays a role in our mind, doesn't it? Like I said, Luke 6.45, when I said the good and the evil stored in our hearts, th that's how it's associated with that. The mind, the mind is what processes all that stuff that's in our heart that directs our body for good or for evil. And we make the choice to follow the flesh or to follow God, to follow God through the spirit that dwells in us. Romans 8, 6 through 7 tells us the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So we have choices, don't we? We have choices. We have choices that we can make. Now, the mind doesn't really necessarily make these choices by itself. It's not this own separate entity. 
Because like I said, it depends on the heart also. And so those choices have the thinking of God or the thinking of Satan. And remember that person that I mentioned at the beginning, the not, not the one like me that had the horrible week and was throwing a temper tantrum, but the one that, that lived that life where you just, they don't seem phased by it. They're just calm and peaceful. They just seem to be in homeostasis. And I'm not saying that this person doesn't feel emotions, that they don't express them, because they do. They, a healthy person in homeostasis feels all of those emotions that God created us to have. It's that those emo emotions remain under control. They don't spin out of control, leading us to all kinds of bad things in our lives. They maintain themselves while they interact and adjust to those changes inside of them and outside in the world, outside in their lives, because they're always loving God. Everything returns, everything in their life returns to that constant of state of loving God and God loving them. They have their mind governed by God, governed by the Spirit, the love of God with all their mind. And then we can put this all together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, let me try to explain this, this whole concept in, in just really simple terms. I'm going to explain it in a, in a car. Because we've all driven a car, right? Or have ridden in a car. Or have come here in a car. We all know what a car is. So first thing we need in a car is, is like we need an engine in a car, don't we? If we don't have an engine in a car, a car's not going to work. It's not going to start. It's not going to go anywhere because it needs the engine to power it to go, to make it work like it's supposed to. And if the engine doesn't work right, it's not gonna, the car's not going to run right. Now, like our heart, because the heart's kind of like the engine of our life. And if our heart stops, we've already, you've already answered that question, we die. And if our heart is broken, if our heart has a bunch of evil stored up in it, bunch uh, engine our engine just it doesn't seem to run very well does it our life is is kind of in chaos and our mind is kind of in chaos but if our heart is full of good and our heart is in really good shape full of good stuff full of loving god with all of our heart psalm 23 seems a lot more possible doesn't it and it doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen because they are but what it means is that god's we know and we trust that God's going to see us through all of those bad times. Now, the next thing of our car is, obviously, we need gas. Or if you drive a truck, maybe diesel fuel. You, you need that to keep your engine running, right? Like, it just won't run on air. The tank is empty. It, it, it dies, right? And if you keep driving that your car and you never stop and fill it up, we run out of gas, right? And we're stranded maybe in the middle of nowhere there's no help and we if we don't refresh that tank full of fuel kind of like our soul our soul is like that gas that keeps us going but it needs to be refreshed we need to keep fill it up and loving god with all our soul refreshes our soul keeps us going provides that fuel for our life if we stop and do that now we're going to say our car is working good, our engine is great, we have a full tank of gas, but that we still can't go anywhere if we don't have any way to start the car, right? If we don't have a starter, we don't have spark plugs, we don't have spark plug wires, we don't have electrical system, all of that thing, the spark to, to ignite the gas, to make the cylinder go, to make the engine go, to get us to where we want to go. Because we need this good electrical system to work within our car. To start our car and to get it moving. Now, our minds, kind of like that body's electrical system, keeps us going. It ignites us. It, if our mind is full of God and we're led by the Spirit, our car, man, it runs. It probably goes zero to 60 in like two seconds, like a supercar. But if our minds are full of flesh full of Satan, our, our car doesn't run very well. It won't start. It doesn't really start very well. It, it starts and it stops and eventually it's going to die, isn't it? 
But I said, if our car is full of good, full of God, and we're loving God, it's dependable. It's going to start every time when we love God with all our mind. Now I know there's lots of parts to a car. You need brakes, you need transmission, you need steering wheel, all kinds of things that make a car. But these are pretty three Im pretty important things to a car. Just like ourselves and in the church congregation, like we need these three things, and and these are three important things. And there's lots of other things that make up a body, but these are three things that Jesus told us that this is important. We need all three these three things together to put together so that we are in homeostasis. We're in the proper relationship with God, and we are a supercar. So when everything about us, it, it's not about us. It's about God. And it's about God because we love God with all of our heart. We love God with all of our soul and mind, regardless of what, what's going on in our life regardless. And we look like that Psalm 23 person. We can be that person. I'm not going to say that Psalm again, but this week it might be good, good to just kind of meditate. Read that over a few times. I want to end with one more story. And most of you have heard that song, It Is Well With My Soul, right? Do we know that song? Just the first bit is, is when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. We've heard that song, but I don't know if anybody knows the story behind that song, do they? The two of you do. Okay. So don't, if I'm wrong, shh. So it's written by a guy, Horatio Spaford. He was a, late 1800s is when he lived, and he was a successful lawyer. He was uh, a real estate investor, so I, I think the guy probably had quite a bit of money. He, he was pre did pretty well off. Well, his son died when he was age when his son was four years old of scarlet fever, and then right after that, there was a big fire in Chicago called the Great Fire of Chicago of 1871, and that's when it says he lost his fortune. So his family wasn't really in homeostasis right now. His family was a wreck. So. He sent his wife and his four remaining daughters to England on a ship because we didn't have airplanes back then. We're not like we do now. So they put a go on a ship, and there's a tragedy. The ship hits something and sinks. His four daughters die. Somehow his wife survives, and she makes it to England. She immediately sends word back to Horatio telling him what happened. Again, he's not in homeostasis, or I would think he wouldn't be, but he immediately rushes back to England, gets the next ship, and goes, goes back to England to be with his wife, to comfort his wife. And the captain of the ship knew the story of what happened to his daughters. He knew Horatio's story. And so he calls Horatio in to have dinner with him. And as they're sailing by the exact spot where his daughters drowned, he tells Horatio, this is the spot. So he excuses himself, goes back to his room, and that's when he writes that song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I look at that and go, how? After all that loss, after all of that, how could you write that song? And I, I think I know why. Because here's a man that loved the Lord, his, Lord our God with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his mind. Jesus told us this is the first and greatest commandment. And this is one of the greatest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your words. I, I just, Lord, help us all to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, Lord. Just let everything within in us, Lord, just as life happens, as life comes, that we just, we just know that you are, we're, our soul and our heart is full of you, Lord, and our help our minds to make decisions, Lord. And I just, I just pray, Lord, just let that sink in of what it means to love you with all our heart and our soul and our mind. And I know there's some people maybe that just, maybe you, you haven't done that, and you haven't, you're not at that 
part where I've made that assumption of that you you started by accepting Jesus, that you started by saying, Jesus, I surrender. I, I want that forgiveness, Lord, and I want to begin loving you and loving God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. If that's you and you want to receive forgiveness, receive forgiveness for your sins, receive it from Jesus. If you want to just raise your hand and look at me and just say yes to Jesus. Say yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin. Lord, I just, I just thank you. I thank you for everybody here. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we stand and just finish with a short song here this morning, please, ladies and gentlemen? I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures of fame are never enough. Jesus for being so good. Okay, as I said last week, this is this family's last Sunday here, unless they come back and visit, which I hope they do. So I would like all of them to come up here. We, we didn't tell Victor or any of the children about this until today because we figured they probably wouldn't come to church. So um, if you guys want to just come up here. I'm going to lay hands on you, and everybody else can just extend hands, and, and I just want to pray over them for their new, um, new adventure, their, their new chapter in their life. Lord, I thank you for this family. I thank you for Victor, and Victor J, and Tarek, and Allie, and I just thank you for the remarkable work you have done in, in Victor and Allie's life, how you... You have made things new. You have healed things. You have, it, it is a miracle, Lord, just nothing short of a miracle. And, and these two boys in front of me, Lord, they are miracles. Lord, they are miracles that they um, just are such a blessing to Victor and Allie. And I thank you for them. And I want to just pray for, as they, this week they get in the, in the car and get, 
and to uh, just move to Alabama, Lord. I just pray that their life is full of blessing, that um, this is a, a new start, that um, their lives, Lord, just Victor and Allie and their family, Lord, they can just be a witness for you and, and that your kingdom will just grow because of their lives and that they never lose sight of you. And I just pray that, that things are smoothly. I pray for their safety. pray that the job is everything that he was promised and will be. And I just pray that even when there's times, Lord, when they're struggling and things are maybe just not as they thought, that they just continue to find their strength in you and rely on you. Lord, I, I just thank you for giving us them for this period of time and this, the life, our own personal lives and the life of Hope Center. Lord, I just, just thank you. And I just, again, just pray that your hand is upon them for the rest of their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You can comfort them outside and outside after this. And so have a great week and we'll see you next week.